Girl Redeemed podcast. On this podcast, we help you build your faith through biblical studies, testimonies, and prayer. And today, today we have on the show Joe Dixon. He is a child of God. He has been studying the word since 2007, has been saved since 2003. In his spare time, he loves playing the guitar, night drives, road trips, chasing his son around. Now that he's crawling and rolling all over, that sounds like a lot of fun. Well, welcome to the show, Joe, and thank you so much for being on here tonight. I am uh, thrilled, thrilled to, you know, be here. And it's only the second podcast I have actually ever been asked to be a part of. And so I am, I am all happy, all smiles. Wow, what an honor to have you on the show. So um, for our viewers today, we're going to be discussing why does a good God allow suffering? Um, I think this is a critical question, especially for unbelievers, because unfortunately, it's sometimes the question and and the barrier that deters them from believing the gospel. And we want to answer those hard questions on this podcast. And I thought, you know, God put in my heart to ask Joe, because I believe that he is has studied the word and he's able to answer this question, you know, through the Holy Spirit to help some of you kind of reason through that tough question. So we can jump right in. So the first question we we had was, you know, what is the character of our God and and are there scriptures that we can reference? A lot of people don't like when I explain his complete character because many people want to only believe that he is just this loving God that oozes love with every ounce of his being. And in some ways that is true, but that's not the whole character the Bible describes. And I have what I say, based on scripture, is his complete character. This is who our our God is. He is a God who loves and a God who hates. He is a God who destroys and a God who creates. He is a God who gives life. He's a God who takes life. He is a God who shows mercy. He's a God who will judge sin there is a very clear balance to his character and a scripture i love that i think very concisely summarizes this delicate french balance can actually be found in romans chapter 11 paul writes about his kindness and his severity god has a kind side and god has a severe side One of the reasons why people don't like Ezekiel, it shows a lot of his severe side. One of the reasons why people only tend to focus on certain things in the the New Testament is because it only tends to focus on his kindness side. So he's got two really, um, well, drastically different sides to his overall character that if you don't know him, then you don't have a complete balanced understanding of who God is. And there are some uh, scriptures throughout the whole Bible. For example, his anger, Psalm 106 talks about Numbers chapter 12, Exodus chapter 14. Hate, Jacob I love, Esau I hated. Now, hatred for him is not the same as human hatred. We tend to apply human emotion to it, and we can't because God is not human like us. 
Right. What that usually means is that if he hates you, he's less likely to provide for you. Not that he won't, but he's less likely to. For wow. example, he didn't use Esau the way he did Jacob. He didn't bless Jacob as far as we know. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, bless Esau the way he did Jacob as far as we know. He had a great plan for Jacob because he loved him. So he used him and he provided for him. So whenever you see God hates, it's not the same as if like someone hates us. There's a whole different type of emotion behind it, which is hardly ever taught to a lot of people. And it really gives people the wrong impression. As far as his uh, judgment goes, all right, we know about the flood. We know about Sodom and Gomorrah. We know that he judged Israel. We know he judged King David, and we know he's going to judge the world at the end of the thousand-year reign. But here's the thing about his judgment. He always tells us why. The earth was filled with violence and the hearts were evil. Sodom and Gomorrah, their sins had reached heaven, basically. When God judged Israel, they had completely turned from him. For around 500 years, he actually put up with them. God judged King David because he got Bathsheba pregnant, and then he had her husband killed. So he always has reasons for why he will judge. He's not this immoral monster mm -hmm. that some people make him out to be. God's mercy is found all throughout the Bible, too. He didn't have to save mankind. He didn't have to say, Noah, I'm going to save you and your family. He didn't have to do that. The world was so bad that he was willing to destroy it all. But his mercy and his love for his creation prevented him from ending us completely. He didn't have to save any part of Israel, but he saved a remnant. You know, I love this verse from the prophet Micah, chapter 7, verse 18. God does not stay angry forever, delights in mercy. I love that. He doesn't stay angry forever. That's beautiful. I also love Isaiah chapter 55. Let the wicked forsake their ways and their unrighteous thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord. He'll have mercy on them. And to our God, he will freely pardon. Like, I love these verses. Amen. It shows, it shows what he wants to do. Yeah. But he has to judge you. If you yeah. force him to judge you, he will judge you. God's love. I did a recent Bible study talking about what does the gospel actually reveal? I think you watched some of that. I'm not sure. But it wasn't God's love. It was God's righteousness. And all of this, his mercy, his judgment, they all come because he's righteous. God's love is not mentioned directly throughout the Bible as much as people like to, like to think it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> really not. But it is mentioned. It is there. And he is called love. You have to read almost the entire Bible before you get to that phrase, God is love. God's love. But he has wrath, too. Basically this. God wants to show you mercy. God wants to love you. He wants you to be his child. But if you force him to judge you, and this yeah. comes in the prophet Hosea. Don't oh. force me to this to Israel. And Israel forced him to. Sadly, a lot of people are going to force him to. And it didn't have to happen. But that's his character. Wow. That's so good. And I think a lot of people, like you're right, they think that he's just love, but they don't understand that you can still be loving and have anger because his anger is righteous anger. It doesn't, it always is for a reason. Um, because we betrayed him and we rebelled against him. And, you know, even like when we have kids and, you know, our kids sometimes do something wrong, you know, maybe teenagers or something. And 
we get angry at them, but we still love them. We just don't want them to do that thing that's going to hurt them. And people tend to think that that's not just. Yeah. People who don't understand God will never understand why he will judge people. People who've only been fed God is love and God is good will never understand God's justice. Because why would a loving God have to show you justice? Can't he just accept you for how he is? One of the things that people don't like when I say, but it's the absolute truth, God does not accept us for who we are. If he did, there'd be no reason to repent. There would be no hell. He would just let sinners into heaven. But he doesn't accept us for who we are. He tries to redeem us so we can become who he always wanted us to be. He tries to recycle us. He, he, you know, you know, he actually tries to salvage us because he had a will. He had a plan for us. And he wants us to fulfill and become what he desired us to become. And to do that, he can't accept us for who we are. He has to do something with sin. He either has to forgive it or he has to judge it. And he's willing to forgive it. But if you force him to judge it, eventually he's going right so some key points i got from that is that god is good he is loving he is merciful he's also a god of wrath he's also he has righteous anger and he judges and so i think sometimes people say okay well he's good so if god is good sorry why are we so prone to suffering here on this earth well now Here's where we really start to really tackle the question of why is there suffering? And, and, you know, oddly enough, not so much nowadays, but still actually kind of nowadays here, this is really a question that's asked in the Western part of the world. It's not asked so much in the Eastern part. If you go to Islamic nations, it's just the will of Allah. If you go to other nations, it's just something you have to endure to get to nirvana. Or if you believe in multiple gods, well, you can't keep them all happy. So therefore, some will bless you, some will curse you. So the only reason why this question even exists is because of the way we teach God in an unbalanced way. We only talk about how he's love, good, almighty, and the only one. And if we talked about his justice side, I don't think this question would be asked quite as much, but there's a whole lot of reasons as to why there's evil in this world. We can't go through all of them tonight, but we can go over some of them. So so the quicker answer straight from the Bible as to why is there suffering is sin. Sin is is the answer. And there's three kinds of sin, our own, other people's and Satan's. Our own sin can cause you to suffer. Wow. And I'm going to use two sexual things to sort of describe the first two because they really perfectly illustrate it. If you are reckless and you end up with a lifelong disease that's going to end up one day ending your life, your, your sin has brought about your suffering. And I hear people say, you know what, it's who I am now. It's how I, you know, it's how it has to be. Deep down, you know, they know it didn't have to end up this way. 
if they'd only lived a more moral life, they wouldn't be mentally suffering because of the actions that they did. Uh, about six, seven uh-huh. years ago, about, about six, seven years ago, I was, I was talking to a woman on um, one of my Facebook pages that was sent long shut down, <laughs> one of my many. But she was in her late 40s and she was a nice lady and she was a very pretty woman. And so finally, one day I asked her, how come she's not married? How come she doesn't have her kids? Normally, I, I don't try to get personal like that. Yeah. But it, was, but it was very confusing. And she had told me that she did get married when she was in her mid 20s. College mm-hmm. sweet, man of her dreams, right? Knight in shining armor. Okay. Prince Charles. Mm-hmm. Kind of like. <laughs> 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 all right but he cheated on her two years later oh man almost 25 years later she was still suffering because of she never got past it wow her husband's sin affected her when someone decides to get behind a wheel drunk and they crash into some other car and they hurt people or they kill someone their sin caused suffering to others when you decide to drive drunk and you crash the car, hopefully into a tree, it's only you that gets hurt, but you might be hurt the rest of your life. Wow. Caused your suffering. So there's but this meshing of God having his will, but he still gives us free will. And because we have free will, some abuse it and others have to suffer because of it. Otherwise, he'd have to that, take away all of our free will, right? That's, that's exactly it. And um, before we go into the third form of suffering, what you just said allows me to talk about this. I sort of mentioned this during my Bible Lord's Prayer study series. The phrase God's will is one of the most abused phrases in the entire Bible. God's will is never for you to suffer. God's will is never for you to endure persecution. God's will is for you to be prosper and healthy. But we abuse wow. this and anything that happens to us is God's will. No, faith is not an excuse for foolishness. Yeah. Many people use it as one and then they go, it's God's will that I can't walk now. No, it's not God's will. But see, but, then, but see, but then you can transition this into the predestination argument. I was predestined to become this, right? Well, you were not predestined to become a handicapped person that is no longer useful to God the way you could have been. Wow. Amen. A lot of religious people actually believe that it's God's will for some people to be sick. So I'm glad that you're the opposite. No. And God never predetermined that you'd end up this way either. God knowing what's going to happen is not the same as God causing it to happen. Yeah. Or wanting it to happen. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Or wanting it happen. I like to explain it the way that a guy named Frank Turk says. I, I think he says it's wonderful. If if um, you record like a Dodger game, right? <laughs> and you know the outcome of it, but you still watch it from the first inning on, you didn't control the outcome. You just knew what it was. That's kind of how God is for us. He knows what the outcome is going to be. He doesn't necessarily make sure it ends up the Dodgers five, uh, you know, brave too but he knows it's going to happen and that's kind of how he is with life too he knows what he knows what's going to happen to us based on based on the terrible decisions we make which is why the bible is full of warnings not to make them 
So yeah. basically, that's how the first two two kinds of sin can cause suffering. The third is Satan's sin. Satan's sin brought about a curse to, to this world because he got Adam and Eve to disobey God, and then God cursed his creation. When God created the world, if you read Genesis chapter 1, you don't read things about earthquakes and avalanches and tsunamis and you know tornadoes and hurricanes and typhoons and extreme heat, extreme cold, drought. You don't read about any of that. None of that's good. Satan's sin is the reason why that happened. The world is now cursed. The world is now, in a lot of ways, corrupted to the point where creation is a lie. It's important to to to, um, to actually know that this earth is living. Um, Romans chapter eight says creation groans for the return of the Lord because it was subject to pointlessness and decay. Creation wants to be redeemed as well, and creation mm -hmm. does some bad things because Satan said, "Now, now, can Satan cause severe storms or not? Yes, I do believe he can. Is every storm caused by him? No. Is every storm God's judgment? No. Is every earthquake? No. But I think some of them are. And all of them should be reminders of what's possible from both kingdoms, God's kingdom and Satan's. Satan's kingdom brings about suffering. God's kingdom brings about judgment, which in some cases look exactly the same, but they're not. So that's why we suffer, because of sin. Sin makes us do things we shouldn't, and then we have to deal with the consequences. Some people get away with it for a long time. Some people can live the most immoral life, and they die in their wickedness very happy. Right. Some people try to be righteous, and they suffer tremendously throughout their whole life, but they still die happy as long as they have faith. If you have faith in Jesus, no matter what, no matter what Satan throws my way, I'm still going to pass away with a smile on my face. And we're going to get to that later when you ask me a different question. <clears throat> okay. So that's why we suffer. Sin. And so if God is, I think we kind of touched on this, God giving us free will, but if he's good and loving, you know, <laughs> seeing all this, doesn't he have some compassion and just want to stop our suffering? Great question. The short answer is absolutely. And sometimes God does. Sometimes he doesn't. This is where it gets very dicey for unbelievers and even some Christians. Because more often than not, and this is an example that I have been using for the last four years now. I think it was in 2017, there was that church shooting in Texas. I think it was four years ago. I'm not yeah. sure the exact number here, but I think it was 27. A lot of people ask me, why did God allow it? The um, answer is, I don't know. I don't know why he, why he didn't stop that gun, but I do know this. <laughs> and ready? believe me, I know how I know how odd this sounds to a lot of people. God loved the shooter just as much as he loved the victims. Yeah. The shooter has free will, just like the victims. Mm. And sometimes he doesn't always stop things. But I can promise you and anyone who ever asked me that from that point on to the day I die, 
one day I think we will know why, and it's going to make sense, because as we're going to talk about later, as we've already touched upon, if God allows it, he had a righteous reason for doing so. And even if we can't possibly figure it out now, when he tells us, it's going to make sense, and we're going to know. Sometimes, <clears throat> but see, but then you get this, September 11, 2001, yeah. there were a stories about trains that were late that were never late people who couldn't find their car keys ended up being late to work and thank god they were because they would have been in the towers amen <clears throat> a lot of people thanked monday night football for them not being to work on time wow it happened on a tuesday because they were up till midnight they slept in so then you hear this type of stuff i think really a lot of it comes down to this but but, but besides you're not knowing all right, besides we're not known. In Ecclesiastes, there's a verse, I forget where, to where Solomon says, why do foolish things, why die before your time? Meaning, God has a set day where you're going to pass away. And yeah. what Solomon was saying was, why do something to die before that day? Mm -hmm. Which means pass away before God intended you to. Maybe, maybe that was just there maybe that was just their day and he didn't grant them longer life which he can do i think it was king hezekiah i think king hezekiah was about to die and god granted him 15 more years so in that case there was an example of how he extended life beyond the day that he determined that mm. that man would pass away i believe it was king hezekiah i would have to check to make sure but but it but it was one of the kings so it really could come down to oftentimes the simplest answer is probably the right one and in this case the simplest answer is why did he not stop the shooter because the 20 something people that died that was their day to die and that's just how they died now a lot of people would say yeah but that's a terrible way to die and I said, I don't know. Would you had uh, preferred them to all have heart attack? Would you had uh, preferred them to all drown? Would you have mm -hmm. preferred them to all die in a plane crash? Like, how do you think is a good way to go? Because, because <laughs> I personally don't think there is a good. Way. Yeah, I don't think so either. Maybe people just want to die in their sleep peacefully. That might be the only way. But even then, when your heart stops, I know that's got hurt. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like that that has to be terrible. So, you know, like I I I don't think there is a really good way to just end a life. And God knows that death is so traumatic for us, which is why most people a day or two out, they start seeing angels. They start seeing loved ones. Because the transition from a body never intended to die. We were not created to die. We were created to live forever. Yeah. The transition out of our, what, you know, used to be a perfect body can be so traumatic that I think that God makes sure of two things. Number one, it's going to be a peaceful transfer. And number two, you're not going to die alone because you're going to have an angel there or you're going to have a loved one there that's going to take you back to heaven. That's where you're going. I kind of got off topic for a second, but it's sort of like. No, yeah, it's good. <laughs> so. Anywho, moving on. 
That's good. It's like God gives some people an appointed time to die and he gives all of us an appointed time to die. And sometimes our free will or sin of others will cut that short. Yeah, absolutely. And in, in, in so many ways, oftentimes I hear the, the question, and this is the big question from a lot of people. Why does he allow babies to die? Why does he allow kids to get terminal diseases? Yeah. Why does he allow younger Christians to pass away? Once uh, again, the um, the actual answer to this kind of question is, first of all, most people who ask this question will never accept any answer. No matter what the answer is, they'll never accept it. But but for but for those who will, the one answer that I give because it's the only one I think I should do, is that God knows what that person's future is. Take like a one-year-old, right? If a one-year-old passes away, God knows what that child would have grown up to become. Maybe he would have grown up or she to be a terrible sinner that would have had to been judged and thrown into hell. And wow. so God took them home so he could Amen. So he could take them home. A good friend of mine passed away just over three years ago from leukemia, about three and a half sorry. years ago. Sorry for your loss. It was a very hard thing to have to deal with. He was my he was my Christian brother. He was my bandmate. And wow. You know, he and he wasn't a Christian when he got leukemia, but he came to the Lord because of it. And so in a way, honestly, leukemia saved him. But his wife said to me a couple months, actually about a month after he passed, so I guess it's the July of 2018, she was a wreck still. And, you know, I mean, like you like try to console, you try to help, but there's not much you can really do. Not enough time has passed to make to sort of begin healing. But she, but she kept saying to me, why did God not honor his faith? Why did he not heal? And I said, well, kind of depends on how you look at it. She said, well, huh? I said, he did heal. He's now cancer free. And he's in a glorified body or he's going to be glorified by his net, never going to get it again. And he's never going to feel pain again. He's never going to feel sadness again. But also, he was a nice guy before he got cancer. He wasn't out to hurt nobody. But he was a bad sinner in one key way. I'm not going to sort of go into it. And he completely did a 180. I mean, he was not the same person. But I also said to her, God knows what his next 40 years would have been like. Maybe he maybe he would have went back to his old ways and then God would have forced to judge him. And when I told her that, wow. she began to heal. She said, I she said, you know what? I get that. I understand that. And now I'm starting to feel okay with it. Wow. But, i'll say because honestly some people's faith gets rewarded in major ways you like you know i heard a pastor say that his wife had um wasn't a you know brain cancer but like she had it in her eye and she was told that there's nothing we can do to operate and he prayed and prayed and prayed and the cancer was gone but his daughter ended up dying his wife was shown mercy. His daughter wasn't. And he said, oh. for, the, for, you know, 
for like the longest time. I had no idea why. Eventually, he said that God, God revealed to him why, and he promised he would never tell anyone. But he went decades without actually knowing. Sometimes, sometimes he either does, and sometimes he has his his you know. Her, sometimes he has his his reasons why he doesn't. But it doesn't matter because it's always righteous. And that's the one thing we have to always remember. So. Man, he's always righteous. Yeah, that's a good story. And um, I don't know if you know, but probably from Facebook, but I had my own cancer battle and I was healed and I stood on scripture and, and I was healed by the grace of God. And I've seen and sometimes I wonder, you know, why weren't others Christians full of faith healed? And I believe um, this one friend in particular is in heaven now because she was a strong believer, but sometimes it would be like that guilt, like, you know, why me? Why was I the one that was healed? I have had so many close calls in my life. Not even from doing foolish stuff. Sometimes, yes. <laughs> sometimes when you're younger and you do dumb things, but I've had so many close calls that I ended up without even a scratch. Wow. And, and, you know, for other people, ended up dead. And I try not to dwell on it. But every so often, it really hits me as to how close I came to dying numerous times. And I didn't even end up in an accident. I had no injuries. And yet other people that were much more safer than I was, um, that they were like, you know, like a freak accident kills them that you never expect. And I'm just like, so grateful, um, you know, but every so often I start to wonder, what does he have planned for me that he needed me alive for? Wow. So even my foolishness couldn't kill me early. <laughs> As I got older, Thank God. I started to be foolish. <laughs> I took a little more precautions with it, so. Right. But anyway. That's good. Um, so I think we discussed, you know, how we might bring about our own suffering, how the devil works to bring suffering and what can we learn from the book of Job about suffering? Cause I remember his friends were kind of like trying to tell him, this oh, is why this is happening to you. And it was completely wrong. It's the one book above all books and all letters that if you wanted to make the case that God's a monster, you have an easier time doing with Job than anything else. So let's try to do a quick summary of Job. Very quick. Job was, from his own words, no one like him on earth, right? Or, or, you know, something close to that. That's what God said. So basically, here's, so basically, here's the backstory. Now God had the angels, and Satan was among them. So anyone who thinks Satan doesn't go to heaven, wrong. Satan can go to heaven. He hasn't been thrown out for good yet. And he and he was asked, have you seen my servant Job is unlike him on the earth? And Satan was like, oh, of course it's unlike him on the earth. <laughs> Look what you do for him. Mm -hmm. You trust him and you protect him. There's a hedge of protection around him. Most people miss that part. Psalm, I think, 34 talks about how like he'll send angels to protect you. And yeah. Satan said, I bet if you take it all away, he will curse you. Think about that. Satan made a bet with God. And God took the bet. God's a gambler. God gambled Job. And he said, okay, do as you wish with him. And this conversation happened twice, one, chapters one and two, I think. And God said, okay, do what you wish with him, but spare his life. 
So first, this tells us a couple things. It tells us any time that you endure tremendous suffering and persecution, Satan has to get permission from God before he allows it to happen. Right. And, second, and secondly, God has to remove the protection so it can happen. Mm -hmm. So what happened to Jacob? He lost his wealth. He lost his health. His kids were all killed. His wife turned on him. The wife turned on him. And this is why that is heartbreaking. God created marriage for two reasons. The first one was to be fruitful and multiply. But the second was so if the whole world turned on you, your spouse was still there with you. Oh, I didn't know that part. So you could walk through life always having something that you could depend on and rely on and would have your back and would love you. Mm -hmm. Lost that. And then his friends. His friends were basically telling him, Job, you're not only a sinner. You're the worst one. <laughs> Look what happened to you. And Job was like, I'm not. But then Job did start to curse him. He cursed the day that he was born. But he never cursed God. And God allowed him to suffer for a long time. And Job would say, if God would only give ear to my voice, I could plead my case. He'd see I'm righteous. He'd see I do the right thing. He would know this is wrong. And God didn't talk it. And finally, God did. And you know what God said to him? What a response. God said to him, who are you to question me? Wow. Where were you when I created the earth, Job? You know why I created this animal and that animal? Does the lightning come to you first and say, where do I strike? By the way, whenever I see lightning strike now, I often wonder, <laughs> did that really go to God's hand first? And then he say strike right there. The book of Job says it does. God also said, Job. Do you control the waves? Do you tell them where to stop? If you want to see actual examples of this in the world, image search where the Gulf of Mexico meets the Mississippi River, I think it's those two, you'll see like a tidal line. The two waters never mix. If you want to see it again, try to find an image of where the Atlantic meets the Pacific. The two oceans don't mix. There are scientific reasons why, of course, which I'm not going to get into. That makes me sound a bit nerdy. But I like to say the biblical answer. God controls where the waves go. And we can see examples of this today. Basically, he was saying, do you think yourself as God? And what did Job do? Job then repented of even asking the question. And herein lies all the stuff we can learn from Job about individual suffering. First of all, and this is what makes Job's book such an amazing drama. Job was never told about what happened in heaven between him and Satan. Job never knew why he suffered. Job, as far as we know, was never told that God gambled with him. And he had no idea. Another thing is that God let him go through this because God wanted to prove to Satan that Job sincerely loved him, not just because he blessed him. That there was one man on that earth that loves him for him. Nothing to do with the things that he gave him. So God proved Satan wrong. But there was other reasons. What did Job start doing when he was suffering? He started talking about his righteousness. Well, as we know, God views our own righteousness as filthy rags. I mean, we have none. So basically, Job may have been an amazing man but he wasn't perfect. And Job had a sin that God was rooting out.
the sin of pride, the sin of self-righteousness. So Job was not suffering because God is evil. Job was being punished because God was just, because he still had sin that God had to deal with. And this is how and Job actually realized the question is wrong. And that's one of the most important lessons to learn from Job. Whenever you ask God why, be very careful. Because what you're really saying is you're not being God correctly. If I was God, I could do it better. Yeah, that's which is pride. That's how he takes it. Wow. And that's what he said to Job. And Job said, you know what? I don't have to know why. I trust you because you're right. So part of suffering is rooting out sin and teaching to grow your faith to the point where you don't even have to know. You just trust God is always going to do the right thing. And that's what happened with Job. He trusted God and he repented of even asking the question. He said, I was wrong to question you. I can't know all this stuff. I'm not you. And what did God do? He restored him. Yeah, he got he more in return him. afterwards, more right? Than that before, yeah. Double he portion. More than that before. Now, here's just a little thing that um, I don't know if this is true. I've heard, I've heard two sides of this. I've heard people say that Job was blessed with new children. I heard people say that Job's killed children were just were you know just resurrected back to life. But here's something else about about uh, Job's book. Job's book. Some people dispute this. Some people do not. Job's book was actually probably written during during a time when Abraham lived, because of some of the things that are written in it. It's very it's very similar time to when Abraham walked the earth. Job is probably the oldest book in the history of mankind, according to some scholars, according to some historians. So. I don't know if that's exactly true, but it's kind of cool to think about. But Job teaches us an awful lot about suffering. Sometimes what we think is suffering is really justice. Sometimes we're allowed to go through the troubled waters because God's trying to deal with something in us that he wants dealt with. In Job's case, none was like him in the earth, but that doesn't mean Job was Jesus. <laughs> Jesus was the perfect man that never thought anything wrong, said anything wrong, or did anything wrong. Job mm-hmm. was not. Job still had his faults. God dealt with one of his faults in that way. Now, you could say, I think that was a little harsh. Maybe it was to us. Mm-hmm. But, but, but you have to remember, sin, sin to God, whatever you can't stand on earth, sin to God is a trillion times worse. So, He's going to deal with sin the only way that he knows how. And self-righteousness is one of the hardest ones to deal with, to break someone. Wow. You have to do an extreme to break them. Because someone who thinks they're righteous <laughs> does not think they need God. And Job learned the hard way that his self-righteousness was nothing. God only, it, it, you know, God was like, you think you have all this because you're self-righteous? Wow. I'm going to break you. Wow. I'm the reason why you have all this, which you know, 
But look what you started saying the moment it came away from you. I do this. I do that. The only I God really likes to hear is when you say, I am a sinner. I need mercy. Amen. That's when God likes to hear the word on. I believe in Jesus. He doesn't like to hear, but God, I help the poor. But God, I give to the needy. But God, I give my money. It means nothing. So what? You're righteous because of what you do? He's going to break you. <laughs> Be yeah. very careful. Be very careful when you, whenever you question God why. Now, that doesn't mean you can't argue with God. Mm-hmm. Oh, or be angry from time to time. People don't like when I say that, but you can argue with God and God will let you argue with him. You'll never win an argument with him. But sometimes you might get him to change his mind. Moses did. Mm-hmm. God was going to wipe Israel out himself. Moses said, you can't. And God said, you're right. Finally, someone understands the covenant. Amos, I believe it was Amos did. Now, I'm not saying it's likely to happen for you to change God's mind. It's not. But you can argue with him. And sometimes he wants to see that fire in your belly of mm-hmm. your faith. I Amen. heard a story of, a, of, an, of, an, of an elderly woman who had chronic back pain. I think it was back or leg pain. I forget which one. But she had it for like 25 years. And she was now approaching 80. And one night it got too much. And she said, you know, I'm faithful to you. I pray to you. You've done nothing for my pain. Wow. I can hardly move. I can't believe she went off. I've done that before, yeah. She got up off the bed and she fell. And all of a sudden, her room filled with this white light. And she thought, oh, great, I'm about to die. And the last thing I did was scream at God that he doesn't do anything for me. Well, it turned out that she she did fall and she did eventually go on a, you know, for conscious. But it was headlights from a car coming down the road that filled the room. It wasn't heaven's light. But when she woke up, the pain was gone. God healed her. Why did God heal her? Because she made it known to him in a very strong way that she's always believed that he could do it. And he saw the fire of her faith in her. And he responded to it. Now, you could say she won that argument with God. Maybe. If you even call it an argument. (laughs) <laughs> it may just been complaining but you know what god saw faith in him and god wow. responds and he's a so, respecter of faith he said we can approach his throne boldly that's yeah and that's the whole thing it's like i said during my lord's prayer bible study series we have access to the throne of the universe hmm. and not only do we have access to it we can call the king abba which means daddy which means yeah. father um, you know what we could also do when, when, you know, whenever we pray, we could actually start a prayer like this. Abba Father, your majesty, I come before your throne with this prayer, with this petition, and then say, he's not only father, he's also, he's on a throne, he's king, and to address him as your majesty is not incorrect may sound a bit odd, but it's not incorrect. That's how you typically address a king, your majesty, and he's king. So sometimes your suffering can be ended if you just open up and go, why? 
not walk and go, I can't believe that you haven't healed me yet. <laughs> you know? Sometimes it works. Sometimes he won't heal people. He didn't heal Paul. Paul had that leg issue for the rest of his life. I think Jacob did too. Is that the thorn in his side? Because I know that people call, yeah, debate him what that actually was. His thorn in well, this flesh, it's kind of vague. Well, I heard a theory that I think probably holds the best one. Paul was shown heaven. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians, I think chapter 2, or, uh, chapter 12, verse 2, I think chapter 12. But he was shown the third heaven, which means he was shown things we can't imagine. And to keep him humble, God then put yeah. the thorn in his side. Mm-hmm. Because you always want to know, you ain't here yet. And you have a sure. job. Yeah, I'm sure he has a lot of pride because, or he would have because he wrote like so much of the New Testament and he was so knowledgeable. Like, why wouldn't you start to want to get the glory somehow? You know, it's funny you say that. It's funny because, you know, by his own words, Paul kept the old covenant laws very well, except for one. He had a hard time not, not, he had a hard time with pride and he had a hard time not wanting something that others had. Those were that he had a hard time with. So maybe seeing the third heaven Hmm. would have ignited his pride. Yeah. And coveting it to the point where he couldn't do what God wanted him to. So he gave him a handicap to keep him humble. (coughs) To keep him humble. Very possible. But anyway, back to, you know, back to Job. Job suffered. No one ever debates this. But Job suffered for righteous reasons. Job suffered so that way God could prove Satan wrong and so he could root out sin within Job. And here's one last thing that I want to say about Job. Job is very, very, well, that's actually the wrong way to, that's actually the wrong way to start off. Be very careful when you quote from Job. Because, and people hate when I say this, because in chapter 42, God tells us the things his friends said were wrong, which means a lot of Job's book is wrong. And when you quote from what his friends were saying, you're quoting things that are incorrect. And I've heard pastors quote from them. And I've heard people quote from them. And they're quoting things that God said was wrong. That means not everything in the Bible is truth. Not everything in the Bible is right because most of Job's book is his friends telling him how terrible he is. That means most of Job's book is actually wrong. But it's but right he, in the fact is that actually it, happened. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. It, yeah. It's an actual account. Yeah. But it wasn't inspired conversation from mm-hmm. God and it turned out to be all wrong. Now, listen, I'm not saying the Bible's wrong. Yeah. What, but, here, but see, here's what God was showing. Man is wrong, God is right. <laughs> Amen. And he, and he gave a great example throughout much of Job's book to where people are wrong when they try to figure stuff out that they shouldn't be trying to figure out. And that's really the last thing to say about Job that, that like we can learn from without turning this into a Job podcast. <laughs> right. Amen. So, that's so good. And um we can learn a lot from Job and people just, that's like their go-to book when someone is suffering. So you actually can also learn. I don't know how many people consider 
Abraham and for Sarah to have been suffered, but they waited many years to have a child. Yeah, I think long suffering that that would take a while. And I think some of us, especially these viewers are waiting on some things and it it is hard and it is kind of like you're suffering. Your flesh is dying to want something that you can't have yet. And not have it yet. And if she was anything like a lot of women that I have met in recent years who were having a hard time getting pregnant, you know she was suffering. Yeah. I have met so many women that struggled to get pregnant, that struggled to have a baby. It was destroying them emotionally, destroying them mentally, in some cases physically. It took, it took a toll on them. And Sarah had to wait till I think she was 90 years old. Mm-hmm. I think he was 90. And Abraham was 100. And then God restarted their bodies and said, now you can have your promise. But first they tried to take matters in their own hands. And that was not the right thing. And he was not the promised son. And that actually caused a lot of problems, which has led to a lot of suffering. Because they did things their way and not God's way. And now you had Ishmael and Isaac. And we're still dealing with the repercussions from that all these thousands of years later. So this is another example of how other people not listening to God has brought about suffering to much of the world for many years. <clears throat> another great example <clears throat> of how sin, the sin of others, can affect you. Wow. Yeah. Well, one more thing that you said, Romans 8, 28 says that God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose knowing that God can actually use our suffering for good. You know, this is, a, you know, he can use anything for good. And sometimes we do have to suffer to learn lessons. Like I've actually met people that can't feel pain. If they stepped on a nail, they'd never know. Oh, man. If they put their, if they put their hand on a hot stove, they wouldn't know. It. Sometimes that kind of stuff, it teaches teaches you to pay attention, teaches you to be mindful of your surroundings. Sometimes he allows you to cause other people suffering so that way you get right. You know something's wrong if you feel the pain. Yes. The last thing that I think I definitely have to say based on the questions that you had to me was, do we have a hope? You said something about hope, right? Yeah, what hope for what sorry, what hope or comfort? I mean, can we find in God's word that we can stand on during these seasons of suffering? Like how how can we get through them? Very easy. Hope is actually it. Hope is you have the three faith, hope, and love, right? Well, love is taught an awful lot. Faith is taught an awful lot. Hope is not. Hope is just as important because hope is the anchor to our faith when the troubled waters come hope can get us through it because we know one day we will not be living in a world that is cursed because of sin well we we will not be living in a world where we will do things wrong that will cause us pain we will be living in a world where others won't be doing things wrong that will cause us pain our hope is not in this world our hope is we're getting a new earth we're getting a new heaven. And this is what I like to say about this, right? Let me try to find it real quick. All right. In this world, there are two kingdoms. And I said this during my kingdom study. Satan's kingdom and God's kingdom. Satan's kingdom is responsible for the evil. God's kingdom is not. 
we are part of his kingdom when we come to him in faith and he accepts it. We are now citizens of heaven. We don't belong here. We are misfits in this world. We misfit. That's why the world doesn't like us, doesn't want anything to do with us. We don't belong to this world. So here's what happens, right? This is your hope. Listen, everyone here is just listen. This is the most important thing I think I can say about what hope do we have for the future. The world can take our wealth. We have treasure in heaven waiting for us. The world can take our health. We have glorified bodies waiting for us that will never get sick. The world can take our communities. We have a golden city waiting for us. The world can take our homes. Jesus is preparing a place for us. This isn't our home. The people of this world can take the earth from us. They can have it. We're getting a new one. The mm -hmm. people of this world can send satellites through the universe. They can have it. We're getting a new heaven. Our hope is the future of what we're promised. Mm -hmm. Knowing that hope can anchor us in the present to get us through the troubled waters, to get us through the storms. Because as I said, to close out my heaven study a couple nights ago, we can't imagine with all the things that the Bible tells us about heaven, about the new Jerusalem, it still tells us no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can imagine what God has in store for those who love him. You know what that tells me? That tells me the best is yet to come. And knowing that fuels my hope that no matter what comes my way in this life, <laughs> it doesn't matter because it's the next one where I'll never have to worry about pain, sorrow, and suffering, persecution, sadness ever again. The day is coming where God will wipe away every tear. Just like it says in Revelation chapter 21, to wipe away every tear. The day is coming where we will live in a world full of people that just love each other and help each other and do things with one another. The day is coming where our homes and our trees and our water will be beautiful always. The day is coming where we'll be citizens in God's physical kingdom, not just his citizens here enduring Satan's Basically, the day is coming where everything will be perfect. Amen. And this gives us the hope to get through the present now. Because this is a dark world. And if Christians are not more about hope, they won't know how to get through the suffering that's going to happen because of the world we're in. Hope is really the key here. We have a new heaven, new earth, a new city, new bodies, new treasures, new everything. You know what? That gives me hope now, and it enables me to get through the troubled waters that Satan brings my way of suffering and persecution whenever they come. And that's what that's what we can look to. That's what we can hang our hands on. That's what we can fill our hearts with. The hope that everything we're promised is one day very soon going to be delivered. Amen. That's so good. So... To close out, I just remind the viewers to get that hope and to get that faith. You need to be in your word. You need to read the Bible so you can meditate on these promises, get them into your spirit get them into your heart and declare them whenever you're going through these seasons of suffering. Agreed. Yeah. If you can't read it, listen to it. Yeah. Uh, I, um, a lot of times at work, if I have like a 40 minute ride to my next stop, I'll actually throw on the audio Bible mm -hmm. and just listen to it. 
I can learn things faster from hearing as well yeah. as reading. But the word of God is meant to be heard. So even when you read it, read it out loud. Yeah. It's meant to be heard. And here's a good exercise for, um, I hope to one day be able to do this, right? Going back to Job for us, you know, for a second. Use it as a play with a handful of your friends. Have someone be the devil, someone be God, someone be Job, someone be his wife, someone be his comforters, and read your parts. And I promise you that book's going to come to life like you never, ever expected. Especially when you read about all parts of his character, the love, the good, the justice, I'm sorry, the mercy. And then when you read about the justice, the mercy and the justice. And the wrath. Uh, yeah, the, the wrath the life that he creates, the life that he takes, but it all comes down to why does he do this? Why does he allow it? Well, the answer to suffering is his righteousness. He has a reason why. It's not wrong. And even if we don't understand it now, one day we will. And it's going to make sense. And the hope that we have to get us through this dark world, because there's a much better world to come, also helps us to get through the suffering that satan brings our way and believe me christians are suffering around the world the western world the western christians one day that suffering is going to reach here i keep on trying to warn people one day yeah. there won't be a constitution that says you can worship the way you want and the day the constitution's gone we're going to see who who you know truly believes and who and who all the nominals were, yeah. who all the only Christians were. <clears throat> I can promise you that. And don't think it can't happen. There are a lot of people throughout history. Hey, listen, no one thought that Hitler would do what he did. No one thought Paul Potts do what he did. No one thought Osama bin Laden do what he did. Mm -hmm. History has taught us over and over again. When you think someone can't do something, plan as if they're about to. Because that's all they are. And one day, that persecution is going to come here. You, you can actually see the seeds of it planted. Little by little, more articles in newspapers are blaming Christians and are closed-minded. Little by little by little, you're actually hearing that we need to be re-educated because we believe in ancient theories of books and letters. Mm -hmm. Little by little, it's coming out. But also, those who are his remnant, and there will always be a remnant, one of the things that will get us through this is hope. And knowing nobody can hurt one hair on our heads unless God allows it. Wow. Do your work. Because all you're going to take from me is something that was going to die anyway. And all, I'm, and all you're going to give me is the opportunity to live in paradise soon. So I have hope. Amen. So powerful. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. And I pray that our listeners learned a lot today. And um, maybe if they have questions or something, they could follow you on Facebook too. I know you're very active on there. He's always, um, you know, posting and, and doing live. You actually do live Bible studies. So I think that that's great. I have um, a lot of them in my album folder. Um, I, I actually did a lot of Bible studies the last two and a half months. 
but I'm probably not going to be able to do one for a while because my twins are being born in three days. So. Well, congratulations. Woo. Thank you. Twin girls. Yeah. But um, so I'm going to try to still do them from time to time. But I went through a lot of things, especially the, especially the last year. I have a lot of different videos that I can email people links to. Last fall, I actually did, I think, a six-part series on how to be, you know, correctly born again, the, the you know, the correct way the Bible says. Yeah. But, you know, like a uh, six-part series. I did a one save, always save series. It was a two-part series explaining how that doctrine is biblical and explaining how it isn't. I'm sure you've seen my posts on it. Yeah. <laughs> the Songs of Solomon study in which the people that saw it, they never, ever knew that that book was as amazing as it is. To um, anyone who has a troubled marriage, who, who, you know, may see this, read the Song of Solomon to each other. Have, have the husband be Solomon and have the wife be the girl. Read it. It's going to be funny at first because you're going to say some odd things. <laughs> like you're like a dove to me. My, you know, it, it's going to be weird. But eventually it's going to get less funny. And eventually it's going to get serious. And then it's going to get emotional. Because you're going to be reading about a true deep love that these two had for and it might just help you find yours for your spouse. So anyway, I have enjoyed this podcast tremendously. Thank you for having me on. I was excited to do this. You're the second person to ask me to do a podcast. First one didn't really go very well. The guy didn't like me. <laughs> oh, no. So, so I'm glad you did. And I absolutely love doing it. And if we can ever do it again, I would be more than happy to on, on almost any issue that you have. That's okay, great. So, thank you. Okay, thank you so much. And for the viewers, I'll put a link to Joe's Facebook in the in the description, so you people, guys and girls, can check it out.